Welcome to the Help for Hip Dysplasia podcast. I'm your host, Laura Rotford, a physiotherapist, Pilates instructor, and fellow hippie. We're here to talk all things hip dysplasia, to build a community, to support and guide each other through the ups and the downs. If you like the podcast, please share it and rate it. It does help others to find it too. And if you have any feedback or questions, they're always welcome. Email me at laura at helpforhipdysplasia.com. That's it for now. Let's get started with the show. Welcome everybody to the Help for Hip Dysplasia podcast. This week we have with us Maria Carr from California. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, we've been um, chatting on and off on social media for a little while now trying to make this happen. So I'm so glad to finally be chatting to you and be able to hear a little bit more about your story. So Maria, you don't actually have hip dysplasia, but you do have... um, a lot of history with hip surgeries and um, with a condition that really commonly is affected you know with people that have hip dysplasia as well so you have something called femoral acetabular impingement is that right correct it's it's resolved <laughs> the actual bony impingement's been resolved for about two years but yes that's my my story starts 12 years back with that 12 or 13 actually would you mind telling us a little bit about that story when it started happening, when you first started experiencing the hip pain and where it's kind of developed developed through from there? Because I believe that we've had seven surgeries in your journey to date. Yeah, seven sounds like an awful lot for sure. Um, so I think it's been about 13 years. I just started having groin pain, bilateral groin pain, and I... Um, I didn't know what it was. So I went to see my family doctor and he ordered x-rays. I didn't have arthritis. Um, I was 40 at the time. Um, and then they said, let's do an MRI. And it showed a labral tear on both sides. Um, went through PT. Um, I sought out um, a surgeon from Southern California who was one of the top doctors at that time in the United States. and. Um, I had uh, bilateral hip scopes within about nine weeks and did amazing for 10 years. I, um, I, I think against all odds, I, 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 did, I had a debridement, which is not standard these days. I had my capsule left open, which is also not standard these days. And I also had um, uh, not enough of the impingement taken off. Um, so, um, and in between that time, I've also had, I, I have some type of laxity syndrome, not EDS, but I had ankle ligament reconstruction surgeries as well, and um, two uh, lumbar spine laminectomies. Um, but my, my 10 years was amazing. I um, started working from home with my career, started getting, you know, more, have more time for exercise got stronger as I got older. And um, about two and a half, three years ago, almost in August, I just started having this bilateral pain again in, in my groin. And it was horrible. I'd say probably an eight out of 10. Went back to see my original surgeon. And um, he said, well, you know, you're older and I would do hip replacements. And I'm just like, I'm not ready for hip replacement. I don't think I need hip replacement. And so I um, did some research and I found actually a new local doctor here that um, trained, uh, his fellowship trained in hip hip preservation. And he, you know, completed a full exam. We spent almost two hours, I think, that that appointment. And he 
recommended um, let's go in and do hip scopes again. So we did. Um, some of the some of the surgeries I've had, one of them was an IT band surgery. So that was not in my hip joint. My most recent hip surgery was uh, almost nine weeks ago, maybe 10. Um, it was a sciatic nerve neurolysis. Um, I had developed some scar tissue around my sciatic nerve that had resulted in a drop foot, which is a little scary, um, but it's fully resolved. I'm back to walking. I'm going hiking this week for, um, on Wednesday, I just signed up for a 200 hour yoga teacher um, training class and I'm, I'm super excited. But yeah, the hip journey, the, the surgeries, I've had two labral reconstructions um, and just, <laughs> I've got some hardware in my hips, but it's, you know, not the hip replacement, which is what's my goal has been. Um, and I saw my, my surgeon a few weeks back and I said, Hey, you know, let's do x-rays again. It's been a while. And the full expectation, I think on his part and my part had been that I was, you know, going to follow suit with the statistics and probably end up with arthritis. And he um, came in and said, my hips look really good. And I said, what does that mean? And he said, let's look at them. So my joint space is preserved. And he said, you know, I could probably grow old with my, um, my own hips. So that's, that's my plan. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. How did that make you feel to, to hear that, to know that you'd been strong about not wanting the hip replacements and trying to preserve your own. And then to hear somebody actually say, I think you can, you know, work out your days with your own hips. How did that feel? I was, um, well, I was asking him his scribe because they have scribes in, in the visits. And I asked the scribe if you could please make sure that in my medical record um, that that he put down that I was right and he was wrong because <laughs> I, um, I was just really gleeful. I just was super excited and, you know, and, and there's always that caveat for now. Um, but my for now looks like it's going to be, you know, for quite a while. And so I'm really hopeful and I'm excited. And, and it was, um, having that report was really what gave me, me that final permission to say, okay, I think I can commit to 200 hour yoga teacher class, you know, tr training. And, and so I'm super excited. I, um, I still have some work to do. I have some, you know, muscular issues that are going on and, and, you know, but that's, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. So, I mean, that, that's an amazing sort of whistle-stop tour, I suppose, of, of everything that you've, that you've been through to date, but there's some stuff that I'd love to go back and unpack sure. a little bit, if I may. Um, so you said that you'd had, you know, a few surgeries done initially after you'd had your, you know, groin pain start and that you had this 10 year gap where you had, you know, a really good, I'm assuming that maybe that means sort of a higher quality of life, less pain, more functional. Um, would that be right? In as far as my hips, like I had some ankle stuff going, but as far as my hips, they were not even in the forefront of my mind. They, I didn't think about them anymore. So when you had that amount of relief then um, after those surgeries, did it feel to you like this, you know, this journey was done, you know, you'd come out the other side that everything was, you know, done as far as you were concerned? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, it had been, it had been years. I hadn't thought about my, my hips and it just, 
wasn't my, something I thought about anymore. And then do you remember how you felt the day that you first started experiencing that groin pain again? Can you visualize that day and remember what you were thinking, feeling when that, when that happened? Yeah. Um, I, I actually think what happened, what caused it or what triggered it was that I did have some laxity in my, in my joints because they were not like the iliofemoral ligament wasn't, you know, sewn up after my first surgery. So I feel like I had some instability and I was walking um, on some grass and, at a park and I just like didn't judge well that there was like a little dip and I felt like I hyperextended my hips. I don't know if that was the cause of my re-injury, um, but while I was waiting to go through the process of getting in to see the hip, the hip doctor, I had all these really other scary thoughts going on as like, what if I have a vascular necrosis? What if I have lymphoma? What if I have like some kind of like uterine cancer? I was going through this whole rabbit hole of worry. Um, and so I think just, I, I knew it was something with my hips, but I wasn't sure exactly what my, I had prepared myself though for it. The pain was so bad that I felt like I, I had to have avascular necrosis or had to have really advanced arthritis. To justify that level of pain that you were in. Yeah. So you went back to see your consultant first? Yes. And that's um, and they rescanned and sort of reanalyzed the situation. And is that when they realized that they possibly just hadn't taken enough of that impinged area away? Uh, so my first surgeon, he, we didn't get that far, honestly. I mean, we did the MRI and his, um, his immediate comment to me was, I'm shocked that you're here without obliterated hips and I can't make you any promises if you want a scope, I'll do one, but I don't want you to be mad at me if it doesn't work. And <laughs> I was like, okay, that, that was not very confident inspiring. Um, and he said, you know, I really feel like you're uh, looking at hip replacements. And so I just said, okay, thanks. And my husband and I left and I just started doing more research. And um, I thought if I needed hip replacement, um, this first surgeon was three or four hours from my home. I didn't want to be that far away from home for hip replacement. Um, so I went locally and I felt very um, blessed that I found my doctor. He's um, trained out of Duke, fellowship trained um, in their hip preservation program. He's um, adjunct at UCSF Fresno, as Dr. Dr. Cole Morgan is his name. And he's, you know, giving me high fives. He's helped me wipe up my tears. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm really happy to be on this, this side right now. So when, when you have somebody like that as a consultant, does, did that for, give you a lot more confidence? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And he's accessible. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, I had to make an appointment and go in and see him and wait, you know, a month between visits. If I needed something, I could email him or I could, you know, call his office. He was very open to, you know, talking me through my, my travels. 
And so one of the surgeries that you had mentioned is something that I know I haven't talked about in um, the podcast yet. So I wondered if we could just talk a little bit more about the latest surgery that you've had, your sciatic nerve neurolysis. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned that you developed some scar tissue um, around the nerve, which was um, irritating you and giving you that drop foot, right? So mm -hmm. the, um, the nerve wasn't stimulating that muscle to work, to lift your foot up and pick your foot. So you're just sort of maybe having a bit of a, like you said, a foot drop or a um, drag mm -hmm. behind you. Was the scar tissue there as a result of something else that had happened in a previous surgery or from like a previous injury or something? Do you know where? Well, this is where I feel like I have bad luck. So I was actually a year ago in March, um, I had like my labral reconstruction on my left side. I was on crutches and I was, um, I sat down very awkwardly onto a wooden bar stool I have in my kitchen and I felt immediate pain on my sit bone area. And um, about a week later, I started having the sciatic nerve buzzing. Um, and so that's where I feel like it happened. Um, and so we went through, um, I don't know, several injections of what's called the deep gluteal space and different, um, both, I'm not a medical professional, but I know that there was a sacred tuberous ligament was one, the piriformis was another, um, can't remember the third one. <laughs> and then they, you know, had to go through this ruling out my spine and all that as the source of the problem. But yeah, it was a long time. I went to um, pelvic floor physical therapist too. That would be another great discussion on your podcast of uh, what it, what pelvic floor physical therapy is and what it's not. Um, Cause I was one of these patients that was not gonna do pelvic floor physical therapy. Um, so it's not what I thought it was for sure. Um, it was explained to me that she just works on the smaller muscles of the hip versus the bigger muscles. Um, but yeah, so I went through all that and then um, just about, I think, maybe we started talking about surgery maybe in October or November. Um, I felt like my doctor was scaring me a little bit out of the surgery because he said there's really, you know, real serious potential consequences and you need to do your research. Um, so I did, and I, um, I, I rented a textbook by a hip preservationist who focuses on posterior hip disorders. I did all my research through there. I went back with a bunch of questions, got those answered, and then um, scheduled the surgery. Um, it was actually almost canceled because of COVID here in California. Um, and, and so I had just had... Initially, I just had the buzzing and then I had a, uh, I had dropped, my toe was, I can dorsiflex my big toe. And then about a week and a half before the surgery was scheduled is when I started developing more of the, the foot dorsiflexion issue. So did that make you feel quite justified in your, you know, research and, you know, deciding to go through with the surgery when you were feeling those symptoms getting worse? Oh yeah. I mean, I was like terrified um, what, because I couldn't walk anymore. I was just feeling like I was going to fall and I was going to really hurt myself, break my hip or, you know, come up with a traumatic brain injury or something. Um, so I was really scared and I did feel um, 
when I came out of the surgery, I was actually able to move my big toe again and my ankle. Yeah, it was like immediate. So I felt very justified. And um, I was walking back up to like three and a half miles, of, I think four, five weeks after my surgery. So yeah. Wow. So yeah, I mean, that that takes you to a, a wonderful sp- spot now, right? Where you, you feel like, again, you know, you've got the ability to put all of this behind you and start working towards the things that you're really excited about. And, you know, even when you've mentioned it, you know, already today, every time you say the, the words yogi, your face lights up. So oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more of that. Have you always um, practiced yoga or is it something that you've just always loved and not had the chance to do? Or is this kind of a new, um, yeah. new part? Um, I, I've practiced yoga for 15 years or so. Um, I remember going to my first yoga class and seeing the yoga teacher do a chaturanga um, and being able to be in that parallel position. And I thought, oh my gosh, how can she even do that? That seems so incredibly, you know, um, that she had to have so much strength to do that. And a lot of people think um, about yoga as being flexible and not not being um, much exercise. and I have a really amazing yoga teacher that has always pushed strength over flexibility. And so that's what, um, that's what I'm going to be focusing on when I'm teaching other people. But I have just really, um, that's been one of my goals is, and I just really haven't had the time or the, you know, the, the right moment to do the yoga teacher training. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited. I, before my um, last surgery in March, which was also right before, you know, everything exploded with COVID, I was probably going to three times a week to do yoga classes. And then the other days I was, you know, doing other kinds of exercises and workouts. But since um, COVID, you know, all our gyms have been closed here in California. And um, so I've, found this amazing online community and um, going back uh, on Saturdays at the park some some days. So to be able to have that social interaction and just see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and I just feel like it, it empowers me. And I feel that it has allowed me to not uh, go down this rabbit hole of worry all the time it you know I remember before my first hip surgery of the first of the four the four recent ones um I remember working out with a trainer because I was doing some prehabbing for that and I was so nervous and he could see my tension um in my face and my body and he said you know what we're going to do some mat work today and that was the, really the first moment that I realized that my body, as soon as I hit that mat, just melted. And my, you know, I was able to like go to that place in my mind when I was doing yoga. And since then, I've been able to do that without laying on my mat. Um, but I feel like, um, you know, that a lot of times if you don't have those mindfulness skills, that going through surgeries and you know, hip pain and all of that is so much more difficult. Um, and, and I think too, like with 
pain. Um, one of the things I've written about, I have a blog too, and one of the things that I've written about is this whole idea of pain science. And I am, again, not a medical professional, but what I take away from it is that my pain does not equal the amount of tissue damage that there is going on in my body. <laughs> um, and so that takes some of that worry off and it helps me work through it instead of getting myself more wound up and more anxious. I'm just like, okay, I think I can breathe through this. I think I can relax into it, lean into the pain and not fight it. Um, and I think some, some of that is also your ability, ability to be resilient and not to get into a spot where like, oh my gosh, I'm in so much pain right now. This is my life forever. You know, I think what, what I've learned and I'm 50, 54, I'll be 55 in a few days. But what I've learned is that to, to really stay in the moment and not not start projecting on what's going to happen because when you have that anxiety it's just building up building up and it's making your pain worse so that was a little off topic i think but <laughs> i i completely disagree if that's okay. okay i think it was completely relevant and you know it's so important for people that are listening to hear the ways that other people work with their pain because you know chronic pain is such a prominent issue with you know a lot of these um hip conditions that we talk about and you know that's really the thing that people want to hear about right is that how do people manage with it because sometimes it can feel relentless and like it is going to go on forever and it is going to affect our everyday forever um, and then sometimes we have these rays of light where we just think actually there might be light at the end of this tunnel but you know what you've been talking about there is incredible to hear because it just shows that you have managed to find a way to learn about the different mechanics of pain, learn about your body, how your body works for you and to find these different practices that really help you manage effectively. And obviously everyone's gonna have these different ways of being able to find what works for them. But I felt really inspired listening to you. Um, and I really appreciate you, you sharing that part of your journey because it just, makes people believe that there is a way and it might be different like I said but at least there may be a way for people to to find a way to cope um so yeah thank you so much for for sharing that part and I'm also really excited about the um the path that you're taking with yoga because again yoga has been one of these things that's a bit sort of hit and miss within the sort of hip dysplasia community especially yeah. because a lot of um, people that do have hip dysplasia or similar kind of hip conditions, a lot of people have um, hypermobility or EDS, as you've already mentioned today. Um, so the thought of going and doing excessive stretching and really trying to push the range of movement through those joints actually isn't always the best option um, for everybody. But you were talking so passionately about wanting to take the strength part of yoga. And I absolutely love that. I think it's amazing because you can find, like I said, a different aspect. And I, I don't necessarily think that everybody always knows that there are so many different variations of yoga, right? There's, you know, there's fast and slow and strong and supple and, you know, mm -hmm. everywhere in between. So yeah, it, you're excited about starting to develop that strength side of it, but is that something that, like you said, you're gonna continue to take forwards, uh, you know, in your practice and as a business as well? 
Well, um, so I, um, so I've been focused on strengths for a long time. I, I, I can be more flexible, um, but I also, um, I think part of me being a yogi <laughs> makes me super hyper aware of what my body should and shouldn't be doing. And that's one of the real tenets of yoga is honoring your body in, in doing what's right for it. Um, as far as a business, I am a full-time uh, special education director for a public school in California. And I um, probably see this more of like a passion for me. Um, I have a lot of stress in my job and yoga is that also that release for me. And I would like to be able to um, help others uh, just love yoga, find, find that mindfulness, find that calm. I don't see myself doing it as a business until maybe I retire. Um, and in that case, I would like to work with, um, I would like to work with it patients. I would like to work with older, the older population, maybe first responders. Um, so that's where I see that going. But right now, I think after I get my certification, it'll just be more of like a community service kind of thing that I'm doing just to give back. Absolutely. Well, it sounds really exciting and I'm really excited to to hear that for you. And I hope yeah. that, that obviously we'll keep in touch and hear about how yeah. that's continuing to develop. Um, yeah. But there are a couple of other things that I've sort of yeah. mentioned spot on your um, social media account that I just wanted to mm -hmm. ask you about as well, if sure. I may. Um, so you have the most adorable new puppy. Yes, I do. Her name is Gigi and I wrote, I blogged about her... Um, uh, Sunday, wait, what's today, Monday? I blogged about her Saturday because um, my my other dog, uh, her name was Sandy. We had to put her down a week after my last surgery. And so Gigi is the light of my life. So both my kids are, you know, out of the house now. And um, I wrote a blog about her. I called her Miss Wigglebutts. <laughs> and she is just so adorable and, you know, who does who can't love a puppy right even when they're looking at you inviting you <laughs> or or she'll come she'll come uh see me after two minutes and it's like i've been gone for two weeks you know she just gets so excited and sometimes she'll she'll pee on my my foot because she's just like so excited but yes i do have a new puppy and i i uh she's she's a light of my life right now <laughs> so wait i mean puppies i mean they disturb your sleep they keep you busy they, oh, yeah. it's very very demanding having a puppy I remember yeah um, but you know it's it's something that I, I know a lot of people that have had hip conditions have struggled with because there's so much bending and walking and moving around and lifting and that you know just disturbed sleep which doesn't yeah. help the healing process so is are you managing with it okay you know I, I did um I thought after we got her I'm like oh because I remember asking my doctor, you know, is there anything I could be doing that might like cause my incisions to open up? And he's like, yeah, probably deep squat. And then I realized, oops, I just deep squatted to pick her up. I probably shouldn't have done that. Um, yeah, I, I did have some second thoughts. This was definitely a decision that was led by my heart. Um, and I, I asked my daughter, she was uh, very fortunate to be working from home. So both her and her 
her significant other have come and stayed with us for a few weeks. So she's been enjoying the puppy as much as I have, but yeah, definitely probably not a wise decision to get her. I think it was a week and a half, two weeks after surgery. And I, I asked my daughter, do you think we're in our, over our heads? And she's like, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it probably wasn't the best decision. And it definitely wouldn't have been a, a really bright decision if I had, you know, like a hip scope or something. Mine was mostly soft tissue this time around. So I probably didn't, you know, damage anything. <laughs> um, but worth every moment by the sounds oh, of it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I like I said, I call her Miss Wigglebutt because she's just so adorable. And she has this little cry when she's excited to see me. And she's really cute. <laughs> the um the last thing that I wanted to ask you about I um like I said I was nosing around your page yeah. for this interview today and uh, I found the most amazing poem um and I just wondered whether poetry was something again that you've always done or whether you were inspired to start writing some poetry because of um your your journey with your hips so would you mind is, is that the first is that the one I wrote is that the one I wrote or is someone else wrote was it on my blog? Uh, on your Instagram page. Okay, yeah. Um, actually, I don't write poetry very much because it it takes a little bit more brain power. <laughs> um, my first poem, actually, this will probably be something that a lot of people don't know about me, but my very first poem, so my husband and I have been married for 34 years. And my first poem I wrote as an anniversary present to him at our first year anniversary. And I actually got it published in Brides Magazine. Wow. Yeah, and I still have that magazine somewhere in my closet. But yeah, so I don't write a lot of poems. Um, like I said, it, it takes a little bit more brain power, but I do, I did, um, I did write one a couple weeks ago because I just wanted to mix things up a little bit. Absolutely. And I've, I've spoken to a few other people that have found that sort of writing um, has been really therapeutic for them in their hip yeah. journey and, you know, just trying to find a way to communicate the feelings that are sometimes more difficult to express. So, um, yeah, whatever means it comes out in a way of communicating those inner feelings is it was really beautiful to read anyway. Oh, yeah. Thank you for sharing that with the world. Yeah. Cool. So, I mean, this takes us kind of to where we are now. You said there are a few things that you're still working on, um, on your hips with kind of the soft tissue and um, just re-stabilizing everything a little bit more. But is there um, a plan um, of, you know, where you want to get to or any other hobbies apart from the yoga that you're planning to try and get back to? Well, so I, um, I, I am going on like a short, I say short three mile hike um, on Wednesday. And um, I'm going with a couple of my uh, friends from my yoga class. I haven't really like seen very much. Um, so, I, but a year ago before my labral reconstruction, I actually had gone hiking nine miles and I don't see myself anywhere near that at this point, mainly because um, I feel like my hip flexors are still sort of weak. And so just the, the incline is gonna be what's challenging. So this is sort of like a test run. Um, and I'm hoping like uh, by the summertime, I'll be able to, to go and, and hope, hopefully get some more hiking in. Um, where I go hiking, it's about 45 minutes from my house. And there's, um, it's really pretty cool. It's a 
random uh, bathtub up in the mountains. Yeah, it's very random. If you scroll through my Instagram, you'll you'll be able to see it. But when I saw it on uh, one of my uh, friends. Uh, Instagram pages I'm like you have to take me there and he's like I've only been there once and um, I'm not really sure you know how to get there so we'll have to when someone else goes I'll ask you to come so we did that and it was supposed to be a five to six mile easy-ish um, hike and this was two weeks before my labral reconstruction and it ended up being a nine mile hike um, at moments where I looked around, I was the last one in the pack, <laughs> looked around and thought, oh my gosh, they're going to need to call a helicopter to come get me because I was in so much pain, but I did it and I, you know, felt proud. We went and had to, uh, lunch after and it was great, but yeah, so I like just to not focus on my hips. I am looking forward to, you know, not that I'm looking forward to maybe not having all of my identity as a hip patient. Um, I originally, when I started my uh, website, it's hopefulhippies.net. I had done it um, because I felt like there was a lot of um, lack of education of patients. Like they weren't asking the right questions. Um, they need to advocate for themselves. But I also had this image of like, I'm going to blog. And then at some point I'm going to still be a hopeful hippie, but I'm going to be a hippie, like more like peace and love kind of hippie. Um, so I, I'm sort of, you know, moving towards that direction. I still have resources. I'm interviewing someone um, this coming week, that's a life coach. And so trying to take some of his stuff. I've interviewed a couple of um, surgeons from one from the US. I don't know if you know, Mr. Ch uh, Rishi Chana. I'm assuming he's out of London. He's a hip preservationist. So I interviewed him and I've interviewed a few in the United States, you know, just about hip preservation and, and whatnot, but I want to be able to continue writing and I want to write a book actually. That's incredible. And what's, what's the, the center focus going to be for the book? Um, I'm going to focus on the use of mantra as medicine. So I have all these ideas in my head. I just need to jot them down, get them on paper and find a, a watercolor person, a person that does watercolor to help me illustrate it. So if you know of anyone. <laughs> um, actually, I know um, of an incredible lady who runs a lot of the um, groups that I love so much. So there's a lady called Linda Black. So Linda, if you're listening to this, she's an amazing watercolorist um, and does a lot of uh, graphic work. Um, if you've been following some of this stuff in the last week for healthy hips, healthy bodies, healthy minds, um, Linda's responsible for a lot of the illustrations that you oh, might um, find her, um, I think she's at Linda Black and she also has the groups on Facebook, adult hip dysplasia um, group and adult hip dysplasia rehab strategies. So um, there's a couple of groups. Um, I'll, I'll look her up. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, and like she said, she is really passionate about spreading the word for hip dysplasia awareness. So um, yeah, mm -hmm. somebody else from this uh, really awesome community yeah. that we're a part of. So uh, yeah, that's mm -hmm. incredible. So I wish you the best of luck with yeah. both the development of the book and um, continuing to develop your ability to hike. And most importantly, with this yoga um, journey that, you, that you're going on. So, yeah. so much exciting stuff to come. Yeah, it's, you know, just focus on, uh, I'll just tell you one more little story. So my father, um, 
he had, it's been 15, 16 years now, and he was diagnosed with a glioblastoma. It's a brain tumor. That's a grade four brain tumor. Um, and at that point, I realized that, you know, you can't worry uh, over things so much as that it's just going to like weigh you down for the moment that you need to be in now. Um, but I also really realized that hope allows me um, to walk through the door into a future. And so I hope that your, um, your fellow, you know, hippies that you interact with and, and the ones that I interact with too can, can see that, you know, this is a blip on their life's radar, hopefully. And there's, you know, always movement forward. And, and, you know, you, sometimes you, you got to be that little engine that could, you know, you think you can, you think you can, you think you can. And then you get to that, I know I can. And right now I'm feeling like I'm in that, I know I can moment. And hopefully it stays. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. That's such an inspirational way to start wrapping this conversation up and yeah. thank you so much for taking the time to share story with us today um okay. I know that you know people will listen in and again feel so inspired and know that there is you know that hope you know your Instagram handle is hopeful hippies 411 and you know that's definitely the feel from this conversation is that there is hope there is light at the end of that tunnel and now I'm definitely going to have that um I think I can I think I can I know I can um, mm -hmm. in the back of my mind. For, so thank you so much. For okay, that. well, thank you. And thanks for having me. We'll see so, you later. Yeah, it'd be lovely to keep in touch. And thank you so much again. Okay, bye, Laura. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again next week with another inspiring and incredible guest. See you soon.